Good morning, Saints. Good morning. Let me see if make sure this is on here. So here we go. They were looking at me saying, are you going to stand? You know, you're a guest. I said, man, I've been here three times. <laughs> it's so good to be here today. Amen. Two people said amen. Let's see. I'm just going to say that again. Maybe you're still not here yet. It's so good to be here today. In all this crazy world, we can be in God's church in, in freedom. Can you imagine that? Are you following what's happening in the world? All these people trying to flee Afghanistan. All these people suffering Haiti. Suffering all around us. And yet we are here today. We, we woke up this morning with health and strength. We had a great breakfast. We jumped in our cars and we drove here. And we are in God's church this morning. Amen? Those of you watching as well, you did the same thing, but now you're in a recliner, just watching there, comfortable in your house. No matter where you are, we are in freedom and worshiping God today. God has been good to us. And that's why we need to finish this work, amen? Because I'm tired of this world. Some of you are tired of this world. I'm tired of this world, are you? Amen. Amen. And that's why there at the conference office, as your new president with the office team, Elder Montoya, Elder Terry, our vice presidents, all of us are there together to make sure that we can do whatever we can to give you the resources that you need so we can finish this work and go home. Amen? Because if you're praying for this world to get better, guess what? You need to change your prayer. Because it's not going to get better. And the Lord says, you know, if we need to stop working, even we need, we need to stop even praying for the harvest, because the Bible says the harvest is what? The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. We need to pray for more workers. We need all of us together, working together to finish this work. Amen? So thank you, Pastor Nathan, for this kind invitation. All the elders, uh, um, it's always a joy to come here to Garland Faith. What a great report also for our school, the Garland School. Amen? 20 plus students. Hallelujah. Amen. This is a, a lot of momentum right now. Hopefully next year when I come, we're going to have 40 students next year. Some of you maybe say, well, let's see how this sermon goes. We'll see if we invite you next time. <laughs> my wife also sent greetings to all of you. My daughter, Isabella. Uh, she's a 14-year-old, my sister, you know, going to freshman high school. Can you believe that? Yeah, the last time we were here together, she was just a little kid running here. Now she's a teenager. You know, it's amazing how time flies. But it shows that we're very close to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Soon and very soon, we will see our King. Amen? Let's pray together as we open God's Word this morning. Father God, we're grateful. We're grateful for this opportunity that we have today to come together to fellowship and to worship your name in freedom. Many people in this world don't, didn't have the same opportunity today. So, Father, we're grateful. And we pray that as we open your word, that you speak to our ears. And let us know that everything is going to be okay. Perhaps I'm praying right now, Lord, and there's someone right here who has a loved one in the hospital fighting COVID or another illness. Someone here, Lord, that is concerned about how they're going to make ends meet. 
someone here, Lord, that is thinking that, God, I'm so, I've been so far from you, Lord, that I don't think there's any other chance for me. Father, I pray that you please reach out to each one of them and let them know that you love them very much. Embrace them with your power and your love, all of us today, Father. And as we leave this place today, help us to leave with the hope of Jesus Christ. So bless us as we open your word. Forgive our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open your Bible in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. So some time ago I was, um, if, not some time ago, it was a while ago, I was still an associate pastor working in Houston. And I was in the driver's seat with, and my senior pastor was driving. And as he was driving his nice pickup truck, he saw this old, old house, and he stopped the car. And I said, Pastor, we are not yet at our destination. He said, no, 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 I need to see this house. There was a big sign there saying foreclosure. This house was dilapidated. This house was old. There was no living, there is no one living in that house. There was even a sign there at the door saying uninhabitable. And he loved construction. He says, man, this house here, I can buy this house for my daughter. I can fix it up. And it's going to be a great house for her. And I said, really? <laughs> oh, I need to see this house. I said, go right ahead. And so I, the only thing I could see was the overgrown grass, uh, the weeds all over the place, all this, the, you know, this plywood boarding every single window. It was a dilapidated house. And then as I was going around and looking, and he was always he was calling people already, making plans. And I was looking through another window there that was not boarded. And a thought came to my mind. Somebody used to live in this house. This used to be a, a house where perhaps a young couple bought it in, in back then, and, and they raised a family in that house. Or maybe a, a, a retired couple bought that house and the grandkids would come for Christmas and, and celebrate them that Christmas with them. That house used to be a home. But now it stands right there. Just a shell of what it used to be. There's not too many things as sad as an old house that has become homeless. I love pizza. I said, you know, I said the word pizza, somebody starts smiling, right? It's not time for lunch yet. But I love pizza. I love, you know, I had pizza for last night for dinner. And I was doing research on the internet. Every time I travel a lot, every time I travel, I start looking for where is there the best pizza in this town. So I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I said, I need to look for the best place in town for pizza. And I found this place called Joe Bologna's. It says that it has the best pizza, not only of Louisville, not only of Kentucky, but the best pizza in the U.S. Right there in the sign, best pizza in the U.S. I said, I got to try this. I got to try this. 
I got to see how this, this plays out. So it's in this beautiful new community, and, uh, and, and, and the, 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 the building is amazing. The building is amazing. This wood, you know, wooden floor, uh, uh, the, this, this beautiful, uh, you know, architecture in the ceiling. Unbelievable. And the stained glass windows. It was pretty sad to sit and eat pizza in a church that has become lightless. In the opening book of Revelation, Jesus Christ himself sends letters to the churches, to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And he refers to them as the seven golden lampstands. You know, you remember when Jesus was preaching this powerful sermon right there in the, the Sermon of the Mountain. He was there gathering his, his followers on this beautiful hillside. And he said to his people this. Let's read it together. You are what? The light of the world. A town together built on a hill can be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it where? And it gives light to everyone in the house together. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify what? Your Father in heaven. Jesus writes to these seven churches, these seven letters in this Seven different cities. And he is telling, he's telling each one of them, you were intended to shine. You're the light of the world. And friends, these letters were dictated to John, as you know. And, and it was dictated uh, when he was in, in the Isle of Patmos, perhaps uh, uh, in 80 AD. And you may say, wait a minute, Pastor, but it was so back then but i believe that the letters that was written back then can be so relevant for us today we can learn from their mistakes we can learn from their successes we can learn from their history and it's relevant as it was yesterday is relevant today say amen to that and every letter ends with this everyone who has an ear let's read it together Everyone who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you have an ear this morning, let you, let you understand. Hear it, what the Spirit has to say for you today. So Jesus says, what I have to say will speak volumes. It was important in 80 AD, and it is important today. So this letter was the first letter is addressed to the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was, <laughs> Ephesus was an important city. It was all the, Roman, all the Roman roads intersected in Ephesus. It was very important for the Roman Empire. Uh, lots of uh, uh, economy, that the economy was great, lots of money, lots of cash flow, lots of trade by sea and by, and by, by, by land. Very important city. And there was a big draw for the city of Ephesus, which was the temple of the Diana, the goddess Diana. It was one of the major 
seven major wonders of the ancient world. That this temple was beautiful. It was at the top of the hill, and you could see it from everywhere. But now this temple is not a place for worship. This temple had become a, a haven for criminals, for prostitutes. Immoral stuff going on in this place. It was wild in Ephesus. So it was on this economic, wealthy place, politically influential and religious corrupt city that they decided to plant a little church in that city. They said, we need to have a light. We need to have a place here where we can shine the love of Jesus in this very interesting community. A little band of Christ followers, they start to gather to worship and to learn and to grow and to make a difference in that community. They had a powerful preaching of Apollos, powerful leadership of Aquila. Paul was the one that founded that church. John spent his last days in Ephesus. It was a powerful church. Now, when this letter was received by the church, this Church plant was no longer a church plant. It was an established church. This church now had 40 years old now. In 40 years, a lot of stuff can happen. 40 years is long enough to think that you have arrived. That you're self-sufficient. And in love with yourself as a church. And 40 years is long enough for another generation to rise up and lead. Perhaps not with the same zeal as the previous generation. So look what it says. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. It says there. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars. Where? In his right hand. And walks among what? He, write, he wants to remind them that he is the protector. Who is the protector? Jesus Christ. He is the protector of the church. He is the one that has them right there in his right hand. He's walking among them. Friends, I don't know what you're going through right now, but Jesus Christ is his this morning. And he has not only the church, he has you in his hand. Every time he sees his hands, the hands that was there on the cross, he sees your name. He sees each one of you because he loves you. He says, I have you right here in my, my right hand. And I'm walking among the church. Jesus Christ is preoccupied with the church, with the big things and the small things. This is his church. Sometimes I see people say, well, pastor, you know, there's a... You know, there's things happening in our church. What are we going to do? We need to pray. Because this is not your church. This is whose church? It's God's church. The more we pray, the more we're going to be united. We're going to be one. Like Jesus prayed, Father, let them be what? Let them be one. Jesus is walking among us today. Say amen to that. Amen. And Jesus commands them. Look what it says. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. He's commanding them. He said, wow, what a great church. 
He applauds them. He praises their strength. He says, you are hard workers. You know, you look at your bulletin. It's a, it's a very active church. You look at their newsletter. You go to their church website. It was an active church. They were full of activity. And Jesus tells them, your perseverance is amazing. Paul said that some, some, some false teachers would come your way and you stood fast and you stood together and you remained faithful. Way to go. I know your deeds. You're a great church. Now think about this for a moment. You're sitting that Sabbath in that congregation when that letter starts to be read directly from Jesus Christ. And you're starting to feel pretty good about yourself. And man, yeah, I'm part of this church. <laughs> yeah, I'm an elder here. We're a good church. Yes, sir. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Man, we are great. We are a great church. We are a mighty fortress. We're this citadel of truth. We're dressed in the full armor of God. We're taking stand against the evil one. You know what? Yes, you're right, Lord. <laughs> We're a good church. But then the letter takes a turn. And you got a knot in your stomach just to imagine. Can you imagine what it was like for John to write this down as a former member of this church? Verse 4 says this. Let's read it together. Yet I hold things, what? Against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Yet I hold this against you. You don't love me anymore. How could that be? How could it be that we can be doing so much? It's a great church. You've been doing so much good stuff. And Jesus says, you don't love me. You have forsaken. You have let go of. Literally, you have allowed erosion to occur in your love for me. Yeah, you got everything right, but the real thing. You do all these things, but they're not motivated by a true love for me. And you see the words are arranged in such a way that the emphasis is not on the word love. The emphasis is in the word first. Jesus is telling these people, you lost your first love. That initial passion, that... You sang the words of the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, with tears in your eyes. That passion that, you know, that you felt, I cannot leave this house without spending a good time with the Lord. That gratitude of being saved and changed and given a fresh start. You were rescued by Jesus. And you had this gratitude in your heart. But now. Not anymore. That first passion again. That you had this gratitude for this unconditional love. That was lavished on, that was lavished on you. Man you are doing a bunch of good stuff. But the truth is. You don't love me anymore. You don't sing to me anymore. Yes, there's a song service, but you don't, you, you don't sing to me or for me. You used to be this flaming fire, but now you're just this 
pilot light. You got everything, the real thing. You have left, you have forsaken your first love for me. It is easy, isn't it? It's very easy. It's very easy to start serving God without seeking God. To live for God without love for God. Friends, we all have gifts. I look around here, I can see that you have very gifted. And the problem with gifts is that because we are gifted, gifts can mask the erosion of our spiritual life. Just because, man, I can do these great things for the Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's the president. Oh, man, I'm an elder. Oh, I'm a head deacon. Guess what? If we're not walking with the Lord, yes, you can do all these things without the Lord. And that is a tragedy. That is a tragedy. Because I believe that God is telling us this morning, I want people that will burn that will burn with passion for my person, not just for my purposes. And I noticed something this week that rings true with my personal experience as a pastor, as an administrator, but also as a follower of the word. Of the word. Open your Bible in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In every letter that Paul writes, there is the first part of the letter and the second part of the letter. And Ephesians is a beautiful example of that. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. So we're going to look at the second part of the letter. Are you with me? We're going we're to do some reading this morning. Can we read the Word of God this morning? Yeah. All right, let's do some reading of the Word of God here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says... I, therefore, he's talking about him, Paul, the prison of the Lord beseech you to walk in the worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, putting away what? Lying. Let each one of you speak what? The truth. 26. Be angry and do not sin. 27. Nor give place to the devil. 28. Let him who stole steal no longer. Verse, 25, verse uh, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Chapter 5, verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting which are not feeding, but rather giving of thanks. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are what? In light. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful. Works of the darkness, but rather expose them. Let's go to chapter, uh, verse 22. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. 
Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Verse 25, husbands do what? Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and now give himself for what? For her. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Chapter 5, bond servants, be obedient. Chapter, verse 5, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. This is the second part of the letter. This is telling us, Paul is telling us how to behave as a Christian. Say amen to that. I have preached many, many passages about that chapter 4, 5, and 6. It gives us the recipe on you know, how to behave as a Christian. But here's the problem. We sometimes, we say, you know what, I want, let, give me the list on how to behave as a Christian. Let, 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 what do I need to do? And then we try to do it on your own strength. We try to do it in our own ways. And the devil then comes to us and says, oh, see, you cannot do it. <laughs> You're not a good Christian. But praise be to Jesus. There's, this is the second part of the letter, but there's the first part of the letter. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7. It says there, in him, in whom? In him, in Jesus Christ, in God. In him we have what? Redemption. You have redemption this morning. Say amen to that. No matter where you are, no matter you, what you have done, in Christ Jesus you have redemption. Verse 8, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption. Chapter 2, verses 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love if which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, and raised up us together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. Say amen to that. Amen. Through faith and not to yourselves because it is a gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's go again. Um, uh, verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Say amen to that. Hallelujah. Because we are saved by Jesus Christ and through his blood and now we are part of his household. No matter what you have done, we have, we have salvation in Jesus. Chapter 3, verses 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, I love this part, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we have asked or think, According to the power that works in us. Whose power? His power. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus 
to, our, to us all generations forever and ever. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Now look at this part. Now go to verse 4 now. To chapter 4. Now he says, I. What is the next word? Therefore. You know what? English is a second language for me. But I understand therefore very well. I, therefore. What does this therefore mean? All the things that you have done in, chap in chapter 1, 2, and 3, now you're going to be able to accomplish in chapter 4, 5, and 6. The moment that I know who I am in Christ, the moment that I know that I'm saved by Jesus, the moment that I am understand how high and how wide and how deep and how, how the depth of the love of Jesus for me, then I can behave. As a Christian. Then his identity become my identity. Then as I walk with him, I become like him. And now I can behave. You know, the important part to behave, it is important. It is important to know how to behave as a Christian. But you cannot do that alone. You need Jesus Christ. But the problem is, it says, yeah, yeah, I know that I'm saved by grace. But give me the list. Give me the list. I want to know. What do I have to do? Remember the, when the, the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus? Jesus, what do I have to do to, become, to be saved? Give me the list, Jesus. Yeah, I know that I'm saved by grace, but I, I, I see what I have to do. I have to do this, okay. I'm doing this, good. I'm, oh, yes. And when we do that through our own strength, the enemy comes to us and says, You cannot do this. You're a sinner. And then we feel bad. And then we feel depressed because we're not following the things that God wants us to do. But the moment that I know that I belong to him, that I'm his workmanship, created for good things, that I'm now, I belong to the household of God. And now I walk with him and I see the things that he does. I say, man, I want to be like him. And I'm going to walk like him. And then when I sin, I can go back to my friend. And he will forgive me. And we keep walking again. Because it is by grace that we're saved. Say amen to that. That's the power. And that's what happened with the Ephesians. They forgot about the first part of the letter. They went to the second part of the letter. And that's why they are doing all these great things without God. Without love for God. First, the first part is important. But the second part, the first part is the most important. And only through doing the first part is that we're going to be able to do the second part. I believe that Jesus is telling us this morning. Grasp how you are in his sight. Grasp how high and wide and deep and long is his love. For you. And then you can do great things for him. So how can I recapture that first love? How can I recapture that first love? It's the three R's. Let's say it together. Remember. Repent. And return. Remember. Repent. And return. Verse 5 says this, remember how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, 
I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Remember from the height to which we have fallen. And return. So the first one he says, remember. Remember. Remember when you had the new hope and a new energy and new identity. He's saying, go back to that. Go back and remember the pit from which you were rescued. Remember. Maybe Jesus is asking this morning, what happened? What is it that made you lose that passion for me? That love for me? Did you just walk too long in darkness? Have you been fake it for so long that you don't even know when it was? Did you just suck it out of you and did you just take your eyes off him and now you're just drifting along? What is it? I think Jesus says to, this morning, to us this morning, go back. Start grasping who he is and how you met him and who you are to him. He says, seek me, know me, love me, hang with me, worship me, talk with me, and then you can serve me. And you're going to serve out of that relationship with him. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Then he says, repent. The absence of a relationship with God is sin. When we don't spend time with God... We're sinning. And that's why he says, repent. Repent. Man, I used to feel the passion. I used to be on fire for Christ. I used to be very close to God. But I'm older now. You know. I don't, I don't have that same passion anymore. I'm more mature. Sometimes we even joke about it. When we see somebody with a big zeal that just come to the church, what do we say? Oh, he still has what? The first love. Friends, to that Jesus says to us, repent. Repent. I read a story about a pastor visiting a state-run convalescence center. This pastor wrote, a state-run convalescent hospital is not a pleasant place. It's large, understaffed, overfilled with helpless and lonely people who are just waiting to die. On this particular day, I was walking in a hallway that I hadn't visited before, looking in vain for a few who were alive enough to receive a flower and a word of encouragement. This hallway seemed to contain some of the worst cases as I neared the end of this hallway, I saw a woman strapped up in a wheelchair. Her face was in absolute horror. The empty stare in the white pupils of her eyes told me that she was blind. A large hearing aid in over one ear told, told me that she was almost deaf. One side of her face was being eaten by cancer. A discolored and running sore on one cheek had pushed her nose to one side, dropped one eye, and distorted her jaw. So that would have been the corner of her mouth was now the bottom of her mouth. And as a consequence, she drooled constantly. 
I also learned that this woman was 89 years old, that she had been there, bedridden, blind, and deaf, and alone for 25 years. This, and I don't know why I spoke to her. She looked less likely to respond than most of the people on the hallway, but I put a flower in her hand and said, here is a flower to you. Happy Mother's Day. She held the flower up to her face and tried to smell it, and then she spoke. Much to my surprise, her words, although garbled about because of her deformity, were obviously produced by a sharp mind. She said, thank you, it's lovely. But could I give it to someone else? I cannot see it, you know, I'm blind. And I said, of course. And I pushed her chair down the hallway to a place where I thought I could find some other alert patients. And I found one. I stopped the chair, and Mabel held out the flower, and she said, Here, this is from Jesus. That's when it began to dawn on me that this was no ordinary human being. Mabel and I became friends over the next few weeks, and I went to see her once or twice a week for the next three years. And I asked her, Mabel, what do you think about when you lie here alone in this hospital bed? And she said, oh, I think about my Jesus. I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks wouldn't care what I think. Lots of folks would think that I'm kind of old-fashioned, but I don't care. I would rather have Jesus. I would rather have Jesus. My reward is not on this earth. My reward is in heaven. I would rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then Mabel began to sing this old hymn that we know very well. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him I would fall. When I'm sad to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, makes me glad. He's my friend. Is Jesus still all the world to you? If not, remember the height from which you have fallen and repent. And the good news is this, that this is not an irreversible condition. Or he would not have said these things. You know, he says, you can do a 180 today. You can do a U-turn right now. And he says, you can return to that first love. That love the most importance. Go back and do the things you did at first. And he says this. The one who is victorious, I'll give you the right to eat of what? That you have life. That is in paradise. 
That's your, that's your reward. Remember, repent, and return. Because Jesus is coming. And I want to eat from that, I want to eat from that tree. You know, friends, there's nothing sadder than eating pizza in a church that has no light. My prayer is that this church will be a church that is deeply intimate with Jesus. Remember that old play, Fiddler on the Roof? Remember when TV says to Gold, do you love me? And she says, for 25 years I've cooked you meals, made your bed, given you kids, something like that. And he says, but do you love me? And she would come back with a barrage of other things that she's done, and he would say, do you love me? Friends, if this church is never known for anything else in the world, may the people in this community all around us can say, you know what, I don't, wanna, I don't know what they believe. I'm not sure I agree with that, that, everything that they do, but guess what? They are a church that is in deeply love with Jesus. This is a place that is head over heels in love where Jesus Christ, where people are passionate about their Savior. May that be true to you. May that be true to us. That we can say that I love Jesus with all my heart, with all my mind, with everything that I have, because he's my friend. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for this opportunity that we can have to know that we can remember from the height which we have fallen. We can repent today and we can return. Father, help us to return to that first love. Help us to walk with you each and every day. Help us to spend time with you to do all the things that we're doing but out of a relationship with you. Because you are our friend, our Savior, our Creator, and our Redeemer. Bless all my brothers and sisters that are here today. Give us victory, Father. Give us victory from everything that is going on in this world. And please come soon to take us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.